I, I came up with the, the title of Unstoppable Destiny for the message this morning. Unstoppable Destiny, that's a, a pretty powerful concept. And to think that there's a sovereign God who is all-loving, who is all-good. And he's chosen us from before the foundation of the world. And we're going to be with him for eternity. However, this world has a purpose. And our existence in this world has a purpose. And I believe God has a dream for every one of us. And whether you're starting to walk into that or whether you've been flopping around or you're wandering aimlessly, it doesn't matter. The reality is God is for you. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has created you uniquely and there's a unique path that he has for you, right? And it might be a rocky road. It might, it might be challenging. But either way, it's a good path. It's a fruitful path, right? So that's something we need to understand. And whether I'm, I'm 20 or whether I'm 55 or 60 and I still have unfulfilled dreams in my heart, God's going to do it, right? If we give our lives over to God, he's going to make the way, right? So it's not about age. It's just about who God is. Right? Just to look unto him and to trust, to believe him. Trauma, rejection, family dysfunction, and injustice don't have to stand between us and our destiny. Is that a true statement? Okay, that is a true statement. Right? Some of us come from rough backgrounds, right? Some really rough. Some of us not. You know, some we have the haves and the have nots. Um, some people who are the have nots they look at their circumstances in a way, okay, I've been through this, I've had to suffer this, they got this, I didn't, and because of that, I'm not going to do anything significant with my life, right? There are a lot of people that think that. If only I'd have got this, 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 then I could make something on myself, then I could be a light to this world. Hey, a lot of people think that that's a victim mentality. Is it a true? Is that reality? No, that's false. That's a, that's a bunch of bunk, right? Those are, those are demonic lies that limit people from walking into the, the fullness of their destiny. And whatever your limitations are, don't look at your limitations. Look at the limitless God, right? He's bigger than our weaknesses. He's bigger than our limitations. And he'll pull us out, right? And we go, we go to Joseph, right? He's very important. He's in the lineage of uh, you know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then when you have Joseph, he has eleven brothers. He's the youngest right now of eleven. Do his brothers like him? No, they don't like him. Why don't they like him? Okay, he has a dream, right? Okay, and in fact, he has two dreams, right? And he's around seventeen years old when he gets that dream. Well, he gets both of those dreams. Does anybody know offhand what those dreams are? Okay, share the dream. What 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 are the dreams? Zuh. Uh, yeah. Okay, and they they knew the meaning of those dreams, right? And were they excited about that? To see little brother, little 17-year-old Joseph, some of these guys are probably around 30 or 40 years old, right? And to think this guy, half their age, they're going to bow down to this guy? He's going to have authority over them? Oh, no, no, no. The competition rose up in the brothers, right? You get all this and I don't? That's not fair, right? And it says that they hated him. 
And if you want to look in the, the scriptures, it's Genesis 37 where the story starts to unfold. Okay? Um, there's another reason why they hated Joseph, too. Genesis 37.3 says that Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his brothers. Okay, we had favoritism going on, right? Okay, did that bear good fruit in the family, the way that, that Joseph expressed his, his, his love towards this guy more than anybody else? That wasn't, that wasn't a very good thing that he did, I don't think. Yeah, so J Jacob did that. And he, he sowed discord and he actually sowed jealousy and, and hatred amidst his family. So that was, that's where it started. Okay. Joseph is also a tattletale. Okay. He goes out. His dad wants him to go out and see how his brothers are faring, shepherding the flock. So they see him coming. Right. He, he does this twice. So the first time he brings back a bad report for his brothers so they hate him even more. They got an axe to grind, right? So this is this is round two. They see him coming from afar off. There he is, that dreamer. You know, well, we'll show him. So here is his own family members, right? His own family members, the people that should love you and support you. You see their brother coming, and they're starting to say, we're going to kill this guy. We're going to kill our own flesh and blood here, right? And you think about trauma. You think about hardship. Anybody ever have their, their siblings or any of their fam family members want to kill them? You know? Anybody ever have like like have any family members want to intentionally hurt them, cause them pain, reject them, rob from them, steal from their identity, be jealous of them, right? Anything like that. Well, that's pretty damaging, right? That's hard. Well, this is really hard. What his brothers do. So there he comes, and they're they're plotting against Joseph. They grab him. What do they do first? Okay, he has his multicolored coat on, which represents, I'm special. I'm the beloved of my father. They rip it off of him, right? They rob him. They throw him in a cistern. And 10 out of 11 of these guys want to slaughter him right away, right? But there's one who says, no, 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 I, I want to preserve him, and that's Reuben. Okay, so... So Reuben is, 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 is hoping to try and rescue him and get him back to his dad, right? Okay, so now that the Midianites are coming by, and Joseph, do you, what do you think this guy's doing, okay? He's in a cistern. His, he, knows, he knows his brothers want to kill him. Do you think he's having a good time down there? No, he's terrified. You ever been thrown down a well, right? You lose all your freedoms. Your own family's coming against you. You think that's not going to damage you? Of course it's going to damage you. That's horrible trauma. Okay, so he's probably yelling and screaming and begging for mercy, and he doesn't have a clue of, like, why is this happening? And hours pass, hours pass. This guy's being traumatized. And these Midianite caravans coming along, and then I think it's, um, is it Simeon? I have it written down. He sees this caravan, and he's like, you know what? Let's just sell him as a slave. We'll just get rid of him that way. And so they do. Uh, for 20 shekels of silver, they sell their own brother into slavery. Okay, now all his freedom's gone, right? His brothers robbed him of his freedom, of his inheritance, of his blessing, all that kind of stuff, right? And now, now they sell him to Potiphar, right? So, you know, you think of rough circumstances. That's a pretty rough uh, thing to happen. Anybody been sold into slavery? 
Anybody have your family members just take everything from you and want you to suffer horribly? Anybody here go through anything that hard? Probably not, right? Probably not. But some of us have been through some hard things, okay? It's just the beginning of Joseph's troubles, right? He, he's now sold into slavery. He's in a country not his own. They speak a language that is different from his, so he has to overcome that language barrier. He has to learn to live life as a slave. I have no freedom, okay? Very hard circumstances. Now, he could have been poor me. He could have been, life is over, and just focus on how unjust his brothers were. He could have done that, and probably most of us would, if we're just going to be honest. But instead, you know what he did? He made the best of his situation, right? He chose to live in the present. He chose to have hope. And he, he chose to use his gifts to even bless Potiphar, even his slave master. He had the mentality, I'm going to do my best, even as a slave, and make the best out of my situation. So he had a good attitude. And what happened to him when he had a good attitude with Potiphar? Okay? Again, we, we read that the Lord was with him. That's big. Okay? Even in this horrible circumstance, even in this horrible injustice that happened to him, it says the Lord was with him. And the favor of God was on him. And Potiphar looked at this guy and said, whatever this guy does, God blesses. It doesn't matter what he does. And so he gained authority. He gained authority higher and higher to the point where he is number two under Potiphar. Right? He's still a slave, but he's walking in a lot of authority. Right? Let's think about that dream that God gave him. Did that have anything to do with authority? Yeah. Okay, so here is Joseph in bondage, in slavery, and he's being fruitful. He's choosing a good attitude. The favor of God is on him. And instead of woe is me, having toxic emotions and complaining, he's taking on responsibility. He's making the best of his situation, right? And he's being blessed, even in that really hard situation. And is God in that place of hardship preparing Joseph for his destiny? In the midst of the injustice, is God preparing Joseph for his destiny? Yes. Because remember, his, his destiny has a lot to do with walking in authority and stewarding a lot of responsibility. Potiphar is the chief of Pharaoh's guards. Right, he, he's the head guy. So Potiphar is a bigwig in Egypt. So Joseph is stewarding a lot of property. He's stewarding the estate. And he's doing a good job of it. Okay? But now we have injustice number two. Okay? Joseph, he's not ugly. He's pretty good looking. Right? The Bible says he's well, well built and a handsome guy. And Mrs. Potiphar is not the most faithful wife in the world. Right? So we know the story, right? She, she entices and tempts the guy, and he's like, no, I'm not doing this. This is not going to happen, right? And what does she do? Well, she cries out, rape, rape, right? And, and goes to the husband and, and says, this guy, this guy tried to rape me, right? Was that true? It was not true. Was, was justice administered to Joseph? Okay, now think about this. He's doing everything right everything right and once again 
injustice crashes down on him. And that's not fair, is it? That's not fair at all. But here's the reality. You know what? Life isn't fair. We live in a sinful world. We live in a broken world, and there's a lot of injustice that happens to us. Well, God's not unjust, right? God is not for injustice, but God works through injustice. Is that a true statement? Right? You see all over the Old and New Testament, the justice of God, present tense, future tense. And when Israel became a nation, how much does it say God loves justice? How much does it say that God wants his people to be just and fair in every way, shape, or form, the way they treat people, right? The way they do business. Everything needs to be just. It needs to be fair. So God is a God of justice. Okay? So this is horrible. Things are starting to look better for Joseph. And once again, he is mistreated. And now it gets even worse, right? I mean, being a slave in Potiphar's house, well, it probably was pretty stinky at first, but it got better and better. He, he got more liberated. He got more authority. And now he's thrown in prison. Those prisons back in those days, they're nothing compared, compared to the prison's present tense. You know, our prisons in America are almost like, uh, they're like clubs, compared to what prisons were back in these days, right? It was awful what happened. So now we have Joseph being tested again. I think probably about 95% of us, if we were thrown into that situation, again, we would really be tempted to fall into that victim mentality. Right? And I don't think that it's unreasonable to re acknowledge, hey, this really hurts. This is awful. This is unfair. I hate this. And I don't want this. But to process it in such a way is where I'm not going to be dominated by the injustice that's going on in my life. I'm not going to be dominated by the wickedness. I mean, I've known people who've let the sun go down on their anger, people who were unjust to them. And they get toxic, and their life, their thoughts, their emotions revolve around that person or that unjust activity. The Bible talks about strongholds that are developed, right? You let the sun go down your anger, Satan gets a foothold. I've seen that happen. And when people can't let go of the past, right, like Charlie's statement here, when people can't let go of the past, the past doesn't let go of them, and they're not moving forward into their future. They're not moving forward into their destiny, Right? So now we're talking about attitude. We're talking about attitude. Whatever injustice, whether it was mom or dad, maybe they abused me, maybe they neglected me, maybe they didn't want me. Well, that's painful. And I need to acknowledge that pain. I need to let the Lord work through that pain and bring healing and restoration. But I can't say my life's not amounting to anything because my mom abused me or my dad abused me or whatever the situation was. They're not in control of your life anymore. When you were eight years old, they were. But now I'm in control of my emotions. I'm in control of my life. And I have power to work with Jesus Christ and bring my unresolved pains to him and to let him give me the grace to forgive and to let go, to get rid of that toxic emotions. So I'm not pointing to anybody else and saying, I'm, 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 I'm really failing because of what happened to me. No. I look at Jesus Christ and say, I am succeeding. I'm more than a conqueror. I am victorious. 
Not because of what happened in my past, because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. And all my sins and all the curses connected to me and my bloodline, all the ungodliness, Jesus took care of it. He paid for it, and he brought liberation for me. And I need to apply that by faith and to realize that I have a new inheritance. I have a new destiny that is good. And I'm not going to repeat the, the sins and the failures of my dad and my mom and my grandpa and my grandpa's grandpa if that's the kind of background that I, I, I came from because Jesus has brought something new into my life, right? But Jesus is not going to force that blessing on me. I've got to reach out and say, God, whatever you have for me, whatever good you have for me, I'm going to open up my hands to you. As I open up my hands to Jesus, I open up my hands and let go of the chains of the past, right? Okay? So I know Joseph struggled. I'm sure he was in anguish. I'm sure he yelled out to God. Why this? You know, 17 years of bliss, basically. These awesome dreams, right? And some of us here, you know, we feel like God has put dreams on our hearts, beautiful dreams, dreams that aren't just life-giving to us, but that are life-giving to others. And when some of us have received those dreams, then all hell breaks loose in our lives. Why is this happening? Maybe, maybe our emotions just start to just get all unstable. Maybe we have these weird spiritual experiences. Maybe we get the spiritual attack and, and just the foundations and the securities that we've had just start to, just start to crumble. What's going on? What's going on? Well, I have a couple possibilities. Number one, maybe we're being tested, right? Maybe the enemy sees a call in our life and, and he's coming to, to tempt us and to test us, right? And number two... Maybe God is in love allowing things to unravel in our lives so that we can be built on true foundations. And that maybe the false identity that's based on some of these things that are unraveling, God wants to strip us of so that we can truly find our identity in him. Right? If, we're, if, if our lives and our identity are not built upon the truth, the bedrock of, of who God is and um, the truth of his attitude and his hearts towards us. If there are things in the way between us and God and we have a dream and a destiny we need to fulfill, God is going to allow things to unravel for our good, right? But it's not easy. It's not easy. As I was preparing for this message, I thought to myself, you know, we see this happen with Joseph. Is there anybody else that we see this happen to, this unraveling before they fulfill their destiny, how about David? Right, things are looking pretty good for him, weren't they? He got, he got the prophet Samuel comes and he anoints him. Oh, you're going to be king. Wow, this sounds like a great life. I'm so excited. And he gets the favor of Saul and all of that kind of stuff, right? Boy, it's looking good, but all of a sudden, bam, it just, it just changes, right? And Saul wants to kill him. Favor turns into, no, I want to kill this guy. 180 degrees. Of course, it happens to Joseph. Uh, look at Job. Look at, look at these people who have strong destiny and calls on their lives, and yet they have to go through so much suffering, right? Okay, and you look at Jesus Christ, right? He hears the blessing that, you know, thou art my son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. No food, right? But when he comes out of that place of testing, he comes out of that refinement, he comes out of that trial, 
he's ready for his ministry, right? And when David and when, when Joseph eventually come out of these trials, they're at a place where they're ready for their ministry. And I think of Joseph's heart. I mean, I think this guy, when he was 17 years old, he was maybe kind of a spoiled brat, right? He did not steward his dreams well, right? I wouldn't have shared those dreams with my brothers if I knew they were jealous of me in the first place. Boy, I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't have done that, right? He had a lot of growing up to do. And the reality is, in our lives, sometimes we're putting the crucible, we're putting the, the refiner's fire so that we can grow up, right? I've had a lot of growing up to do in my life. That's just the way it is. And God is gracious with that, but sometimes it's painful, right? We get pruned if we're bearing fruit. The Bible talks about the, the vine gets pruned. I've been pruned many times in my life. Anybody else been pruned? That's hard, right? That's painful. But maybe God's pruning us so that we can walk into our destiny. And what if, what if instead of um, focusing on the hard circumstances, present tense, and it can be external, it could be spiritual, it could be emotional, and to say, this is it, and I can't look beyond that. What if I look to a future and say, God is, is allowing me to go through this hardship because he has a good purpose, and he's, he's going to use this to bear fruit in my life, and I can, by faith, see a future in this world where I become the man or the woman that God wants me to be with that level of character and maturity so I can walk into my destiny. What if that's what's going on, right? And what if we can have faith in that, right? That's going to transform our circumstances because it's going to transform our attitude, right? When Joseph was in prison, again, we see the same thing happen. Favor. Favor. It says the Lord was with him, right? And I could say that, that I've been in an emotional prison. I've been in a spiritual prison in different ways in my life. And maybe some of us could say the same, right? But I can also say that the Lord has been with me. And I could say that I've been transformed and I'm being transformed and I'm a better person because of the decisions that I'm making in my prison, I'm choosing God every day. I'm, I'm investing in my relationship with God, right? I'm growing. I believe God has a call on my life, and I'm, I'm investing in that. In other words, I'm not living for the pleasures of the present, but I'm investing for the, the blessings of the future in my life. And it doesn't mean that I say no to pleasures. You know, God wants us to enjoy things. But I'm not squandering my days. I'm not squandering my suffering. I'm giving it to God right? And I'm wrestling with God over things, right? And God's moving in my life. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I got to focus on God and not on my circumstances. That's going to change things for us. Okay, so now we see Joseph gets, again, the favor and the blessing of the head of the prison. And now Joseph becomes the guy who's walking in authority, second to the, the prison, the guy who's in charge of the prison. You might call him the superintendent, whatever. So again, he's getting more liberty and more freedom, but again, it's nothing compared to what he had with Potiphar because again, he's still in prison. Okay, that's not good. But the chief cup bearer and the chief baker come and uh, they do not find favor with Pharaoh, right? They're in there for a while. They both get dreams. Well, who interprets them? Joseph does, right? Okay, and you, you could say that it was uh, two dreams that got Joseph into this mess, 
You know, they certainly contributed to it. Okay, and now it's, now it's dreams that get Joseph out of this mess too. Isn't that interesting? How God can turn something around like that in a person's life? He dared to dream. Yeah, okay. So both of those dreams that they have, Joseph interprets them. One, one gets killed. One is restored back to his place. Okay, now Pharaoh has a dream. He has two dreams, in fact, right? And you see there's, there's seven th- uh, corn, and the, the, the bad corn swallows up the seven good corn. You see the seven bad cattle. They swallow up the good cattle. And then Pharaoh calls all of his enchanters, all his magicians. What is the meaning of this? Nobody can answer. But then Mr. Cupbearer is like, wait a second. There is a guy back in prison named Joseph, and he could interpret dreams. So now this guy who's a prisoner, this guy who has nothing practically, except he can interpret dreams, and he's been faithful to God. He's been close to God in the midst of all of his suffering, all of his hardship. This guy gets called in to interpret the dream, and is he right in his interpretation? Well, Pharaoh thinks he is, and we find out as, as, as you know, the future becomes history, he's right. Okay, so this nobody, all of a sudden, because of his gift, and I th- I'd say because of his character, now he becomes, in the most powerful nation in the world at the time, he becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man, right? And you look, in the prison, in Potiphar's estate, he makes the best of his circumstances. He's not poor me. He embraces responsibility. He shows the utmost integrity. And because he lived that way, because he had that attitude, God's preparation in the midst of his suffering, now he's qualified to take on much greater responsibility. Doesn't it say in the New Testament that those who can be trusted with little, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much? Doesn't the Bible say that? Okay, does that apply in Joseph's life? Yes. So, geez, if, if, if I think there's some sort of a calling or destiny on my life, and maybe God's given me a few pennies now or a few small things to steward, <clears throat> I want to steward those things with the heart of God, right? And it could be people. It can be ministry. It can be a, a job, a job that I don't even like. Um, it can be my circumstances. How am I going to steward all of these things in a way that's honoring to God and I can have a heart of gratitude no matter what situation I'm in, because I do have good things. All you got to do is write them down and think about it. it. Everybody here has, has. you can write pages of blessings in your, that you have in your life, and if you focus on those, it is going to change your attitude, right? And that, that's just the reality of it, okay? So, um, I'm trying to remember where I was going with that. You have to forgive me on that. Um, but anyway, to, t- to, to be the greatest steward that you can of your circumstances, whatever they are. I believe if you are, according to the promises of the Bible, God is going to entrust you with greater things. Okay? But if you don't have a good attitude and if you aren't a good steward of whatever God has given you, is he going to give you more? I don't think so. Right? And I, I started off by saying this, this message is called unstoppable destiny. It's mostly true, but it's not all true. There's only one person who can hijack your destiny. Who is that? Yeah, it's you, right? It's not the devil. The devil doesn't have that authority, right? And it's not the person at work that, that just wants to keep coming against you or it's not some family member that you, that you have a hard time with. It's you. It's you. You have authority and power to make your destiny happen. You have authority and power to hijack it, right? No? I'm believing for big things for me. I'm believing for, for good and meaningful and fruitful things for everybody here, right? 
But it's a matter of, are we going to walk that out? Are we going to be faithful? Okay, so now, let's say it's been seven years. Joseph is in charge of all of Egypt. There's been seven years of plenty. He stores up the grain, right? And, and they, they've got an abundance. Okay, now the famine hits. There are his brothers, you know, however many miles away. And they're feeling the crunch of this famine. And, and uh, dad's like, okay, go to Egypt. There's grain there. So they go to Egypt. And uh, who do they meet, right? They meet, they meet little brother. But he's all Egyptianized up. You know, he's got his, his stuff on, you know, like the Egyptian garments. And he's speaking a different language. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. And does he immediately show them grace or kindness? No, he doesn't. Now remember, these guys, most of them wanted to kill him. They wanted to rob him, and they did rob him. They stole him. The, uh, the, the good things in his life, they, they stole him. They meant evil. They betrayed him in the deepest way. And again, I'm, I'm not painting some sort of like a, a cute butterfly picture that, hey, if, if we're hurt deeply, that it's just going to be like immediately we're going to be set free from that. No. Some things are incredibly hard to resolve. And I think when Joseph was being a bit of a butthead to his brothers, remember he, he accuses them of, of theft. He puts one of them in prison. That's not nice. I mean, it just is not nice, right? That, that is what happened. Okay, now, now they come back again. He finds out that he has a, a little brother, little Benjamin, and his dad really loves little Benjamin more than any of the brothers, okay? So the same kind of thing's happening. The, the dad has a favorite. But I want to show you the difference of the character of everyone here. Okay. Same scenario. Daddy has a new favorite, and it's, it's Benjamin, right? The brothers know it. Joseph wants Benjamin to come. He's basically forcing it to happen, right? And um, Benjamin does come, and then he orchestrates things. He puts his cup in, in Benjamin's pouch, and he's going to have to stay. Okay, now, now the brothers say, this is the favorite of my dad. And one of his brothers promised and said, you know, I promise you that I'm going to bring back your favorite son, your favorite son. And instead of being jealous, instead of being immature and selfish and competitive, their brothers have been transformed. And they're like, if we don't bring Benjamin back, my dad, our dad, he is going to suffer so much. His life is so bound to this boy that he's going to die. Okay? So they came to a place of humility, right? They came to a place where their hearts were changed and they cared more about their dad's feelings now and the well-being of their little brother than themselves. That's a pretty big transformation. That's pretty incredible. And Joseph sees this and the emotion is just willing up, you know? I mean, this is like a family connection. This is being reunited. And he sees that his brothers are different, right? And then he, he commands all the guards, get out of here. And he starts crying so deeply. He's wailing with all this emotion towards his brothers. And he starts to kiss them. I'm Joseph. He says, he's Joseph, right? Okay. So now, now it's about like around 20 years later. It takes 20 years for his dream to come to pass. It takes 20 years, perhaps 20 years for Joseph's heart to fully let go of the past. And now his, his heart is ready to walk out that 
fulfillment of the dream, right? And the reality is he has all power and authority over his brothers. If he wanted to, he could have them slaughtered. He could have them tortured. He has all the power and authority to do that. But he uses his power to bless his brothers instead, right? And when the people have done injustice to us, you want to talk about victory, this is victory. The people who've done the worst things to me in my life, and some of those are family members. You know, if you'd say that, if I asked people here, they'd say that. Where I come to a place in my heart where I want to bless them and I can feel love for them and I can let go of the past and I can live in the present and I can show them mercy as God has shown me mercy. Okay, Joseph did that. And there was reconciliation. And the nation of Israel that was just in its beginning stages, right, through this, this family, was preserved through the famine, went to Goshen, went to the, the most fruitful place in Egypt, right? The most horrible circumstances. God used those circumstances to actually bring Joseph into his destiny. And what does he say in Genesis 45, 8? Let's see. He could see the hand of God in his circumstances. He says, regarding to the past, regarding all the injustice, you know, he could see the human wickedness, but he could also see the grace and sovereignty of God. And he said, it was not you who sent me here, but God. It was not you who sent me here, but God. Right? And maybe the hand of God is in our hard circumstances. And maybe he's got a really good purpose. Maybe he's got a really good redemptive purpose. And maybe it's the exact thing that we need to see our dreams fulfilled. Okay? So we need to maybe think a little bit differently about our circumstances and hardship and suffering. Okay? And that's basically the point of my message. It ends well, and it, it ends incredibly well. There's incredible blessing that's released in this guy's life, and I believe it's because he made the right decisions and he made the best, um, best decisions. He named his kid Ephraim. He had two kids, and he says, because I have borne fruit in the land of my suffering. Okay? Some of us are in our land of suffering, but the question is, are we bearing fruit? If we're not bearing fruit, then we need to change our attitudes. Right? Because it's not just in those pleasant places that, that, that fruit is born. It's actually really in, oftentimes, the hardest times where the greatest fruit is, is born, eternally speaking. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just going to pray. Father, the, the message, Lord, of just having your attitude and your heart and having faith and looking at hardships in our lives, believing that even they are stepping stones into our destiny. And no matter what injustice was done to us or who mistreated us, God, that those things don't define us, they don't limit us, God, but you can actually turn those things around. And if we give them over to you, you will turn those things around. And you'll release great blessing from them. The blessing will outweigh the, 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 the curse and the hardship and the pain and the suffering. God, we choose by faith to declare that. In our lives, we choose to believe it. And, um, Father, if there are any situations, any injustices in our lives, or people who we've just given too much authority to in our hearts, who have wronged us, or even are mistreating us present tense, God, we choose to let them go and we just give our work situation to you the people that we work with all of our circumstances god we give thanks for them and we give thanks for your presence in the midst of them and we just ask god that you would use everything in our lives 
to bear fruit, to prune us, to prepare us for our destiny, even to bring restoration, to open our eyes and to cause us to see life more from your perspective. And give us just a heart of joy. And let us see by faith the future that you've called us to, the good things that you have for us in our future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.